John chapter number 13. I want to read verse number 23. John chapter 13, verse number 23. Now thou was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, and say this little phrase out loud with me, whom Jesus loved. Can you say that with me? Whom Jesus loved. Come, if you will, to chapter number 19. John chapter 19, verse 26, verse 27. John 19, 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, say this little phrase with me, whom he loved. John chapter 19, verse 26. We're going to try that again. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, say it with me, please. He saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Verse 27, Then saith he to the disciple, What disciple? The one whom he loved. Behold thy mother. And the Bible said, And from that hour that disciple took her into his own home. Come now to John chapter number 21 and verse number 7. John chapter 21, verse number 7. Therefore, that disciple, say this out loud with me, whom he loved, saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat about him, for he was naked, and it cast himself into the sea. Three times we read that little phrase, say it with me now, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now before I tell you what that means, let me take a moment and tell you what it does not mean. Number one, that does not mean that Jesus loved John and did not love the others. That's not what that meant. Because my Bible teaches me that God loves everybody. For God so loved the world. I said that one night in a meeting, and the next day a preacher got up and rebuked me publicly. He said, I've often heard it said that God loves everybody, but he don't. Well, I didn't know that until he told me. And then he took a verse totally out of context. He said, Jacob, the Bible said plainly, Jacob, have I loved thee, so have I hated. So evidently God doesn't love everybody. What he didn't mention was this. That word hate there is the word choose. It's the word prefer. It don't have anything to do with affection at all. It means in the progeneration, the messianic seed, God preferred, God chose Jacob over Esau. It didn't have anything to do with affection. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says that God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this does not mean that he loved John and did not love the others. Secondly, it does not mean that he loved John more than he loved the others. Because my Bible tells me that when it comes to God... There is no variableness or shadow of turning. He loves us all the same. In fact, he doesn't love you any more now than he did before you was ever born. 
In fact, God did not start loving you when you got saved. God loved you before you were a Christian. In fact, the Bible said the only reason why we love Him is because He first loved us. The sovereign God of heaven always takes the initiative. We didn't know how to love. We didn't even have the capacity to do that. But He loved us first. So think with me today, if that statement does not mean that he loved John, did not love the others, or if it doesn't mean he loved John more than they loved the others, what in the world could that mean? Well, I believe today it's on John's part more than Jesus. I simply believe it means that John cultivated a more intimate, close relationship to Jesus than the others. I believe John made it a choice to draw closer, to go further, to climb higher, to dive deeper. I believe all of the disciples could have loved Jesus to the same level as John. But John made a personal choice and paid a personal cost. Not just to be one of the twelve. Not just to be in the same room, but he wanted to cultivate a more deeper, closer relationship with Jesus than the others. By the way, if he loves you all the same, but I'm here to tell you, everybody don't love Jesus the same. Sometimes a pastor is accused of having favorites. I don't have any favorites I love all of our people, the good ones, the mean ones, all of them. I love them all. And it's not let's assert the pastor loves some people more than others, but just by observation, you have more confidence in some more than others. It's hard to have confidence in somebody that their life does not bear the fruit of a Christian. You love them, you'll help them, you'll be there when they need you. But Jesus loves us all the same, but everybody doesn't love Jesus the same. But today you can choose more than just wanting your name in the book. More than just wanting to bear the name Christian. You can go further. You can go deeper. You can cultivate a more intimate relationship with Jesus than the others. And wear that title, I'm not just one of the twelve, but I'm in love with Jesus. And Jesus is in love with me. Let me put this in our modern day language. Let me put this in a language we can get a hold of. When you read about John being that disciple whom Jesus loved, he had gone beyond nominal Christianity. He had gone beyond occasionally going to church. He had gone beyond Easter Sunday morning and Mother's Day and homecoming or when you have a gospel singing. He had gone beyond just tipping the Lord. He had gone beyond just wearing the title. He had gone further. He had dived deeper. He had gotten a little closer. And can I remind you, the Holy Ghost has got me preaching on this for some reason. For several weeks now, 
Because I believe we have a lot of people that go to church that are deceived. They're trying to talk themselves into something that they don't have. Some of you today don't need to worry about losing your salvation. You got to have something to lose. And ladies and gentlemen, being a Christian is more than just showing up at church now and then. It's more than just wearing the title. It's more than even claiming the name of Jesus. There is a relationship to the Christian life that produces a fellowship with the Christian life. And that fellowship that produces relationship will show up in your life and mine. I want to do more than be a Baptist. I want to do more than be a member of a church. I want to do more than just claim the title, claim the name. Man, I want to dive in. I want to draw closer. I want to do like Simon Peter said, but growing in the grace of God. I want to be a better Christian today than I was two days ago. I want to know more about Jesus tomorrow than I know today, I'm not satisfied just riding in the car with him. I'm not satisfied just sitting at the table with him. I'm not just satisfied being in the same room with him. I want to know him. I want to experience him. Hold on now. I want to feel him in my life. And I believe us Baptists has preached against feelings so much that we don't think you can feel nothing. And I'm not basing my salvation's on feeling because sometimes I don't feel nothing. But I would hate to think that I never felt God in my life. If I was here this morning and I'd been going to church a long time and I'd never felt the presence of God in my life at least a time or two, I'd hit the altar, brother. It's not based on feelings. It is based on faith. But if you got the faith that this Bible talked about it, honey, when God draws nigh, you're going to know somebody's done moved in among you. And I'm glad that God loves everybody. And I'm glad God loves, loves everybody the same. God doesn't love me as a preacher any more than He does you, a parishioner. No, but the... But the depth of the Christian life is not on our part. I mean, it's not on God's part. It is on our part. We're the ones that chooses to get closer. We're the one that chooses to go further. We're the one that chooses to die deeper. And I beg you today, do more than just go to church. Do more than occasionally flip through your Bible. Do more than just go through the motions of religious activity. Be that disciple whom Jesus loved and go deeper and further with God. There are three characteristics I want to point out every time this verse or this phrase is mentioned. Look in our text this morning in chapter 13, verse 23. You know where you are? When you come to this text, you're in the upper room. You're sitting at what is called the Lord's Supper table where Jesus instituted communion, what we call the Lord's Supper. And this was the last night that Jesus would spend 
with his disciples before he goes to Calvary to die for them. And sitting in that room that night are 12 men, his disciples. And while they're in that room sitting around that table, there's Simon Peter that's in a few hours will openly deny him. Sitting at that table is Judas in a few hours will sell him out for the price of silver. And at one end of that table was some Baptist preachers arguing about who was the greatest and who was going to be number one and who was going to sit at the right hand of the Lord in the millennium. But the Bible said in our text that one of them disciples, John, he was the one that Jesus loved. And notice where he is sitting. Notice where he is placed. The Bible said in the text, he is leaning on Jesus' bosom. He is so close to the master that he has his head laid on his chest. And he can hear the heart throb of heaven. He can literally feel the hot breath of deity blowing down the backside of his neck. He's not sitting with Simon Peter plotting his denial. He's not sitting with Judas counting his money for betrayal. He's not down there with the rest of them arguing about who's number one or who's going to sit at the right hand or who's going to be first. No, he has chosen to get so close to Jesus, he can lean upon his bosom. He is not satisfied just being one of the twelve. He is not satisfied just being in the same room. He is not even satisfied sitting at the same table. He wants to get so close because he realizes in a world that's filled with unknowns, there might be a time when he can't stand, but there'll always be a time he can lean. And he's leaning on the bosom of Jesus. I don't see where Jesus has said, John, you can sit here, but Simon, you got to sit over there. I don't see Jesus saying, now, John, you can get close, but uh, your brother's got to sit way back over there. He doesn't say, John, you can sit in this place, but Judas, you got to sit outside. No, I believe Jesus let them boys pick their seat. And I see them as they walk in that room. And when Jesus sits down, here comes John. He don't have time to argue about who's the greatest. He doesn't have time to argue about who's going to be first. He doesn't have time to argue about who's going to be number one. He is so captivated and enthralled to be in the presence of Jesus that he don't want to be in the same house. He don't want to be in the same room. He don't want to even sit at the same table. He wants to get as close as he can get. And you can't get much closer than leaning on Jesus' bosom. Most people got up this morning and got their Bible, got in their car and made their way to a place called church. 
But I wonder how many said, I'm going to worship him when I get there. In fact, I wonder how many worshiped on their way there. I would love to see modern day Christianity move beyond a religious spectator event. Can I say that again? I would love to see modern Christianity move beyond a religious spectator event and enter into a participation where we all worship God in spirit and in truth. Now let me clarify something. I've kind of got a reputation in this town and let me just clarify this. Brother Joe thinks if you're not waving your hands and running the aisle and screaming to the top of your voice, you're not worshiping God. That's not true. I've never said that. And I've never insinuated that. But I don't get in my way if I want to scream and run. I don't bother you when you worship like a Presbyterian and don't bother me when I worship like a holy roller. And I understand everybody's wired up different. We express different. My wife and I are very madly still in love with each other. At least I am with her. And I think she is with me. You just don't know what a joy it is for her not to walk by no more and poke my stomach and say, you need to lose that. Now she's going by smacking me in the chin and said, you need to lose this. And she and I are very, very different in our approach. I've never heard her shout like I heard my mama shout. Now I've heard Miss Arthur shout, but it hadn't meant anything religious. I've never seen her worship God like my mother, but she worshiped God. And I don't have a problem with that. I never have. I could not preach in 95% of the places I preach at if I was depending on outside Results, Because most places I preach in independent Baptist churches, they look at me about like you're looking at me today. In fact, I preach at some of our Bible colleges and I worry about these boys. I don't necessarily worry about what they get taught. I worry about where they have to go to church till they get back home. I don't care, whatever you teach a young man, if you don't teach him, he's got to be full of the Holy Ghost to be a preacher. You ain't taught him anything. I don't care how many classes he's gone through, what you've pumped in his head. And I'm, and so I understand it. Everybody's, everybody's different. But it bothers me to see the blank look on people's faces. I'm here, but I ain't getting anything out of it. And like I said now, like I said now, everybody don't yell, everybody don't lift their hand. But I do believe a smile. Like, I got it. You say, well, Brother John, I'm really not impressed with people who make noise. I'm not impressed with people who sit in total silence either. You say, well, Brother Joe, that person sitting there waving their hand don't mean anything to me. This right here don't mean anything to me either. And I don't really mind the blank look. It's when the bottom shivers quivering when you got it closed so much that vein jiggles right in here. And I'm wondering, 
why are not God's people worshiping Him? He loved us. He saved us. We'd be in hell if it wasn't for Him. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? We are indebted to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. My God, no wonder we've raised a generation of young people in America that don't want to go to church. Because they see the faces of those that do go to church and they say, if that's all there is to it, I don't want any of that. Look, if you walk out of this building today and make the statement like some other churches down the road, Brother Joe thinks if you're in a hollering and a screaming, I have never said that. I will never say that. The Bible doesn't teach that. But in the words of my friend Sammy Allen, let me say it like this. Everybody don't jump. Everybody don't holler. Everybody don't scream. But you can at least grin once in a while. The hunger, the interest. Man, I want to do more than be a Baptist. I want to do more than just go to church. I want to encounter God when I get there. And when I get back home from church, I want somebody to know I've been somewhere where God was at. I'm talking about sitting where the others don't sit. John, you're just leaning on his bosom. What's happening? I'm hearing the heartbeat of heaven. I'm feeling the hot breath of deity. John, what are you experiencing? Man, I'm leaning on his bosom. I'm sitting as close to him as I can get. And I believe John would say this, Simon, you can deny him if you want to, but I can't do that. Judas, you can sell him out for a piece of silver if you want to, but I can't do that. Uh, Y'all can sit down at the end of that table and argue and fuss about Who's number one and who's going to be first? But I don't have time to deny. I don't have time to betray. I don't have time to position seek. I don't have time just to participate in religious activity. I want to do more than be a disciple. I want to do more than be in the same house. I want to do more than be in the same room. I want to do more than sit at the same table. I want to lean upon His bosom. I want to hear the heartbeat of heaven. I want to feel the breath of God on my life. And He chose to sit where the others didn't sit. And you can make that choice today. I love that song, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. Let me ask you today, how long has it been since you took out your Bible in a private place and read a couple of verses out loud and looked up and said, Jesus, I love you. You say, that's spooky. Well, it's in the Bible. Ephesians 5 said, speaking to yourselves. It's okay to talk to yourself when you're doing Ephesians 5. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual song. Singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. I know some people that can name all the books of the Bible, all the kings of Israel, all the apostles, all all of the disciples. Uh, They can tell you the major doctrines. But if you ask them, have you ever one time 
ever felt the breath of God upon your life. They got the deer in the headlight look. And I'm telling you, I'm not talking about just a pure emotion. I'm talking about something that shows up in your life when the emotion is over. I love for people to go to the altar, but when they leave, I like for them to be different than when they came. You can go to the altar every service, but if you don't leave different, that trip didn't do you any good. Man, we all can just join hands today and sing kumbaya and run around the building and never show up in our life. But real worship, real fellowship, real walking with God and leaning upon His bosom and fellowshipping with God, that'll show up in your countenance. That'll show up in the way you treat people. That'll show up in your joy. That'll show up in your peace. That'll show up in your life. But Brother Joe, I, I just want to have enough salvation, so, you know, just drop me off on your way up. If you really feel that way, you ain't going in that direction. I said, if you feel that way, you're not going in that direction. Well, I just want to be dropped off on my way up. You're not going in that direction. Let me tell you something today. If the Holy Ghost lives in you, you're going to have a desire for the Word of God. You'll have a desire for the things of God. Something in you will be craving and thirsty and hungry to read the Word and hear the Word and fellowship with God. Ladies and gentlemen, I beg you today, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the sweet Holy Spirit, go beyond normal Christianity. Go beyond wearing the title. Go beyond tipping the Lord. Go beyond just showing up and pull your feet onto the table of the King and sit where the Others don't set and enjoy your Christian life and not endure your Christian life. Hello? You know, if some of you would come to church and pay more attention to what God is saying than what somebody else is wearing or what somebody else is doing, you'd be on fire for God. Don't worry about it. Somebody goes to the bathroom. You may be next. Let God speak to your heart. I'm really afraid. And I don't have time to get to these other points. I'm going to put the screws down right here. I'm afraid. I can't hardly say it. I'm under such a load, I can't hardly say it. I ain't slept. Listen to me. I'm afraid. While populating hell with Baptist church members. I really am. I'm afraid while populating the walls of hell with Baptist church members who have good intentions. They're not bad people. They even are somewhat religious. But the Holy Ghost don't live in them no more than Jack the Ripper's a preacher. And Romans 8 says, 
He that hath not the spirit of Christ is not a his. My wife and I first got married and we had to adjust to the way she was raised, the way I was raised. Not religiously, but just, you know, maybe your wife's mother had Jif peanut butter and your wife's husband had Peter Pan peanut butter and, you know, just little stuff like that. Julie had never lived with a slob. And my mama didn't realize how big a slob I was. You'd be surprised, but throwing things in the bed will conceal. And one day we got in this argument, and I said to her, I said, you're not saved. She said, you're not a preacher. Roland, you don't laugh about that because you don't have a wife, and you don't know how bad things like this can be. I said, you're not saved. She said, I am. I said, all right, when did you get saved? She said, when I was nine. I said, I don't believe a word of it. A lot of people make childhood professions, and it don't show up when they get to be adults. Now, there's a problem with that. I believe you can get saved at nine. I believe you get saved at five. But it's going to last more than you get 21. Can I get a witness? And I said, all right, how did you know you saved at nine? This was her answer. She said, the Holy Spirit told me. I said, you saved. Then I doubted mine. You can't have somebody as big as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit living in you and that not show up in your life. I want to beg you today, please don't go to hell from Harvest Baptist Tabernacle. I beg you, please don't confuse religious activity with old time life changing salvation. And go beyond just sitting on the premises. Go beyond just wearing a title. Pull up a chair. Pull your feet under God's table. And sit where the others don't sit. Go further. Go deeper. And you might can become that disciple whom Jesus loved. You say, Brother Joe, you told me that he loved me. He does. He loves all of us and he loves all of us the same. But our love for him is what vacillates. Our love for him is what changes. God is calling you today out of a life of just normal Christianity to go further, to go deeper. I wanted to look at the next verse, and we will later. But it amazes me that in chapter 19, when they were standing by his cross, the only disciples standing there, the only one standing there was John the disciple whom he loved. Simon Peter's not there. James is not there. 
Thomas is definitely not there. Judas, he's hung out. The only one that's still there is John. And you know why he could stand when the others wouldn't stand? Because he's been sitting where the others didn't see it. I'm going to close. I've got such a burden I can't hardly breathe. But in March of 220, when the coronavirus hit, none of us knew what was going to happen. And I said to my wife one day at the table, I was sitting at the house. Everybody sat at the house. All traveling preachers grounded. And I said, baby, what's going to happen? She said, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. She said, we're going to have a great separation. God's going to divide the wheat from the tares. We're going to find out, Joe, who's really in and who's not. She said, I hate to tell you this, but you'll have members you will never see Again, they've got the ultimate excuse. I can't go to church. I may catch something. And when we open these doors back up, the people that really should have stayed at home are the ones that came. I was amazed when I looked out and saw the Jay Trapmans, the Bob McElhennans, your little girl that just come through cancer. You say, well, Brother Joe, some of them didn't make it. No. But they love the Lord on their way out of here. And we got people that's members of our church that we ain't seen them. And I'm going to tell you something. When the communists come, and that day will come in this nation, it's close. Are they going to say to you and the preacher, Preach the word, or you do that, we'll kill you. The only people that stand, that really stand when the going gets tough, are those that have been sitting where the others didn't see it. Because when you sit so close, you know what he smells like. You know what he feels like. When it comes to stand, you'll have the courage to stand. Because you've been sitting. You don't have any problems standing. In closing today, let me ask you this. What would you do at your house? If all of a sudden we wake up in the morning and the Biden administration makes an executive order. If you go to a church where they preach the Bible and preach against sin, you're a hate group. We're one Supreme Court justice away from that. And they're trying to impeach one over that very reason. They want that because if they ever get that, they can pass any unchristian law they want to pass. Yeah, boy. But what would you do if they passed an executive order in the morning? Next Sunday, our guards are going to be out. And if you go to a church where they preach against sin and preach the gospel, You'll be a hate group and we'll lock you up. I'm going to tell you who will be here. Them that's been sitting and leaning on his bosom, they'll be standing by his cross. 
I'm asking. No, I'm, I'm not asking today. I'm begging you today. Please go beyond just showing up at church. Will you sit at his table? Will you fellowship with him? Will you walk with him? Will you let him make a difference in your life? And if you're here today and you have never been saved to the point that it changes your life and rearranges your desires, come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we love you this morning.